Welcome to the Hopeful Activists podcast. Rich, how are you feeling about Hannah sitting in your seat? <laughs> yes. So we realised when we came in that we've always sat in exactly the same very, seats Very, very Church of England. I'm yeah. just trying to mix things up, you know, give it a bit of freshness. It's good, yeah. In the seating department, yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, none of these seats are very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> really not comfortable. We're coming up to Christmas, but probably more on people's minds. It's the election this week, so make sure you go and vote, please. Right. Read so, the manifestos. So we're we're recording this a couple of weeks in advance. So who knows what kind of crazy stuff will have kicked off when the UK's disappeared in a kind of campaigning <laughs> black hole or some <laughs> a huge sinkhole has opened up for. I mean, given what's happened in the last year, it's entirely possible. Who knows? Yeah. It's Advent, more importantly. We're waiting for Christmas. I quite like to reflect on each year as they go and kind of think about you know, what have been the real highs, the lows, what have I learned? So I thought we could maybe share something that's brought us close to God this year and something we've learned. You guys up for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Shall I go first and yeah, then you guys go have some thinking time? So I normally do like what's been good, what's been really bad and what have I learned. But actually what's brought me close to God was, I, mean, I went through a really difficult patch just before we launched the podcast. So things were really busy at TIFF and we were launching a big new report and campaign. We we're about to launch the podcast for Praxis so we're clinging on to get to a holiday, got to the holiday. My wife, Sophie, immediately like seriously hurt her back and was completely like couldn't do anything. Mm. So I spent the week of holiday just full time looking after her and a baby and uh, at that point, a three year old. And then had to take another week of leave to continue looking after them all full time. And in the middle of that, I was completely knackered and I got to the holiday and then all of that landed and then our landlord Vang was like, we want to sell the house. And I ended up in, you know, full sort of self-pity mode, basically. But in the midst of that, I mean, the, the sort of light got switched on and I realised that's where I was. And actually I did have some agency, like some choices I could make. There was hope in the situation. And sort of real clear insight from God as well. So it was that, that funny thing, right, about like how the really difficult times sometimes bring you close to God and I had this phrase like rainbows only happen when the sunlight meets the rain and so I'd say that for me is like what I've learned I think that's probably been a theme of this podcast over the years there's been several themes but one has definitely been hard times are times of growth yeah and it's probably true throughout my life but it kind of just keeps coming back mm. what about you Hannah? I think one of the things that has brought me closest to God this year is seeing new Christians, people find faith for the first time or find faith in a new way. Um, I lead my small group and um, there's a couple of people that have joined who have never been part of that before and their fresh enthusiasm for Jesus is really infectious and it makes you think about a lot of things that are kind of just foundational because you've made those decisions, well I've made those decisions a long time ago mm. um, to follow Jesus and so some things I do, I don't think about anymore, but having to explain them to new Christians has made me reevaluate a lot of things, but for positive and to re-understand why I do things for Jesus. That fits in so well. You don't even know what's coming up in this episode. No, I have no idea. <laughs> but it fits in so well with my feelings about this episode because it's with people who are 
relatively, some not not completely new, but relatively new to faith. And just hearing their stories makes you feel so like zing. This is this is true. This is amazing. Ah, oh, that's exciting. Mm. So we've had an interesting year. We've had my mother-in-law's moved in with us, and which is definitely a highlight because she is absolutely amazing and she's a wonderful prayer. And any stresses or problems, she will stop right there and pray. Um, but obviously, living with anybody, including your husband and children, comes with its challenges. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just definitely been a reassess. We've been doing life shapes at church at the moment. Have you come across life shapes? So we were doing the semicircle, which is like a pendulum swing between rest and work. And I think my pendulum has, pendulum has not quite been in sync. So my reflection on this year is to to have more rest and time with God. And the times when I have done that and my pendulum has been really well in balance, I've definitely been the best points of the year I think that's one of the hardest things trying to balance work and rest Mm. um one of the things I've been thinking about recently as well is about living with purpose and what is God's purpose not just the world's purpose rather than living productively and trying to cram my life full of stuff yes it just makes me feel like I'm busy and yeah trying to think about what actually matters I love that these are good reflections yeah, these are good. So we're going to hear these interviews now from guys from the Oaks. And that is another theme from this podcast because they call it's called the Oaks after the verse from Isaiah about the Oaks of Righteousness. And I, I reckon, I don't know about you, Rich, but about 90% of the interviews I've done have referenced the book of Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Isaiah, so that's Isaiah 61, isn't it? I, I'm nodding. I can't remember, but I, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> and that was key. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in my story and then the story that kind of led to Praxis, that that thing so it's mm, funny isn't it, it? it's Quite fundamental god doing similar mm. things all around the country and the world simon sullivan runs the oaks with his wife who we heard from a few weeks ago they call it the oaks because it's not growing people like cress he said <laughs> <laughs> but deep roots and strong branches I, I just love that that's a really good description so simon showed me around the house it's really lovely it's not institutional at all it's really a family home and these are guys who have come out of addiction they've come out of prison they've made a commitment to become a Christian and then they've found the oaks and gone along so it's not a place where people are in um for in detox or people who are interested or questioning about their faith it's for people who've already made a commitment and want to take that next step and, and go further and deeper in their discipleship yeah exactly so I just want to be I guess crystal clear that this is people that are opting into a discipleship program that are already Christians rather than mixing up helping people with evangelism yes. and like pressure it's not it's yes. not that it's people opting into discipleship well the oaks is a discipleship house i'd say if i was put it in three categories i'd say it's a it's a discipleship house it's also a missional community so we go out and do lots of outreach we go into prisons we go into homeless shelters tell our stories and lastly it's a family um, everyone lives here, they're part of the family. We eat together, um, we study together, we pray together. We do life like a family. Mm. Okay, do you want me to leave you to it? Sure. Thank okay. you, Simon. Thank you. Paul, thank you so much for welcoming me to the Oaks. Could you tell me a little bit of your story, please? Yeah, no problem. I'm from a place called Leighton in East London, and it was a rough council estate that I grew up on. And I never really had a dad in my life. My first memory of my dad is going to visit him in prison. I'm the oldest of three boys, so my mum basically brought us up on our own. 
And growing up, things were tough for me. There was a lot of jealousy between me and my brothers, trying to crave my mum's attention. And in school, I didn't really like school. I was what you call a class clown, always trying to play out for attention, mm. always just wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard. I first done drugs at the age of, age of 11. I was smoking cannabis, drinking alcohol, mm. just trying to be cool and trying to fit in with the cool kids. And this carried on for the next two or three years I was doing this. And I started bunking off school and I wasn't in for any exams. So my mum decided to take me out of school. So now I'm not going to school. I've got a free house. And because my brothers are at school, my mum is at work. So a lot of the older lot from the estate would come to my house and use my house to do drugs and drink. And they'd done this quite regularly. And I remember one time they come, they brought out tin foil and they put some powder on tin foil and they would run it and then they would inhale the smoke off the foil. And I found that this was heroin. They would inhale the smoke and look really content, really at peace. And I wanted to feel how they felt. So next time they come, I asked them if I could have some heroin. And they gave me some. And I remember doing the heroin and throwing up everywhere. Mm. But I liked the buzz that heroin had gave me. For the next year, I was doing heroin every day. I would steal off my little brothers. I would steal off my mum. And it got to the stage where my mum didn't want me around the house anymore. So my dad was out of prison by this point. And she rang my dad and said, look, if you don't come and get him, I'm going to kick him out. It's got that bad. So my dad come down from the other side of London and took me to his. And I managed to get clean. Now, for the next five or six years, I had many different jobs. But all my money would go on drugs. Not heroin, but other what you call party drugs, pills, coke. I was going out a lot. And as I said, this happened for five or six years and I kept losing jobs because I was unreliable and I wouldn't turn up. And then I met my first serious girlfriend. We would both do a lot of coke together. We would both drink together. And I ended up doing an armed robbery because I started smoking crack again and doing heroin again. And my addictions got so bad. I got 59 offences and 30 convictions, all for heroin and crack. That's, that's quite a quite a catalogue that's a catalogue but they're the ones that I got caught for mm. I've done a lot more than that because I was active every day I would be going out three or four times a day to commit crime to fund my habit mm. and as I said I got five years for an armed robbery and during this sentence I would always pray every, every night I would say the Lord's Prayer and the same repetitive prayer asking the Lord into my life praying for my victims saying sorry saying Jesus come into my life show me how to live my life. And then when people would come into the prison to do responses, because I'd go to chapel and people would come in and say, do you want Jesus in your life? I would always raise my hand and say, yes, I do. And then six months left of my sentence, I had a spiritual experience. I went for a stage of smoking spice. Now, spice unlocks things in our brain that we're not supposed to be involved in. So I had a spliff. And I, this was in prison you were smoking? This was, this was behind my cell door in prison. And I had a spliff of spice. And about half an hour later, I got oppressed by an evil spirit. And the worst things you can think of was going over in my head, over and over again. And I was aware of what was happening, but I couldn't get out of that state of mind. I thought I'd lost the plot. And then without meaning to speak, I said, Father. And all the evil thoughts stopped. I felt a sense of awe, a sense of peace. And I heard God speak to me in an audio voice. He said, Paul, you are a chosen one. And that day, my whole life changed. I've never touched drugs again from that day. And I now live for Jesus. and I'm a disciple for Jesus. And how did you end up? In, in the Oaks? Well, when I got saved, I um, told my mum and she emailed a lot of Christian organisations saying, oh, my son's going to be getting out of prison, we need somewhere for him to live and get discipled. And the Message Trust, which the Oaks, was the only one that replied saying there's a good chance that he could move into one of our properties on release. So I got released. Uh, this was nine months ago now got released straight into the Oaks. And what we do here, we're a family here. Like, I've never really had that where we eat dinner together, where if I'm feeling down, my brothers are there for me, vice versa. We just encourage each other. And we just want to love each other and just be there for each other. And yeah, that's what we do. I'm so blessed to be here. Mm. 
So it's coming up to Christmas. We want to share stories of hope. What does the word hope make you, you feel? I've got hope for the future now. I've got purpose in life where I've never really, for a long time I was existing, I now have a life and my hope is in Jesus. There's a scripture in Joel that says God will give you back the years the locusts have eaten and I truly feel that God is doing that for me. My family are back in my life. I've not just been born into the church family, 2.8 billion of us, a lot of Christmas cards to send out, (laughs) (laughs) but I've also got my blood family back in my life. I've got a daughter who's back in my life. My mum's got her son back. My brother's got his brothers back and my daughter's got her dad back. Mm. So yeah. Tell me a bit about how you got reunited with your daughter. Well, my mum has got custody of my daughter, you see, because she was born by my ex-partner who was addicted to drugs also. And my daughter was going to go into care. But my mum took full responsibility and said, I'm not having my granddaughter go into care. And then when my mum saw how my life had changed and how Jesus changed my life, she gradually introduced my daughter back into my life. And my daughter also knows Jesus now as well. And my mum's found her faith since I've been saved as well. What a hopeful story. Yeah, it's just God's so good. And I now, now know I cannot live without him. So last Christmas you were in jail? I was in prison last Christmas and now Christmas means so much more to me. Before Christmas would be an excuse to get high on drugs, but now I realise that it is the birth of Jesus and it's so more meaningful to me than what it was before. And Levi, I'm coming to you now. (laughs) Tell me how you ended up at the Oaks. I had a good upbringing, but when I was about 16, a lot of stuff happened and I ended up presenting the world. And I ended up getting kicked out from my home and went into care. I started smoking cannabis and drinking a lot and then mixing with the wrong crowd, getting a few convictions. And then this went on for a couple of years. I ended up losing my accommodation through the drinking and smoking cannabis. And then I was homeless for four months, which wasn't nice. I had to sleep on a mountain and then steal food and drinks. Um, so, sorry, you had to sleep on a... Mountain. You slept on a mountain? Well, a lot of Wales, kind of a mountain. Wow. Yeah, but... And then, uh, yeah, then everything got sorted. And then uh, I got a message... 2015 October my granddad had passed away so I went to the funeral I hadn't seen my dad since I was 13 and then my dad was um, yeah, we had a good conversation I said we'll start sort things out because he's an alcoholic so he's in rehab and then once he's finished rehab we're going to sort things out and then uh, December 2015 I got a message saying the police found my dad's body mm-hmm. so obviously my world fell apart I started uh, drinking every day taking cannabis ecstasy cocaine everything just to forget the world mm-hmm. I ended up taking an overdose in March and then was in hospital with kidney failure. Yeah, got out of hospital about a week later, eight days later, and then went to a new accommodation. And then everything was going well at first, but because I didn't deal with my problems or the issues of like pain and anger, and then I ended up meeting some lad there and get getting charged for robbery for six years. Mm. And then went to prison. And then about last September, October time, I responded to the gospel and then went to the message on a rotal day out from prison and then got released six weeks ago come to the Oaks. So you've been at the Oaks for? Six weeks. Yeah, so yeah. You, you're quite new to it. Tell, yeah. tell me, how, how do you find living with these guys? Because I went into care when I was 16, I missed a massive chunk of my life. Mm. So having like a family-based environment with a Christian background as well, it's really nice, mm. it's comforting. And tell me about the difference it's main, meant to you being a Christian. Yeah, my life's much, much better. Like, back then I was just getting high, drinking, going out fighting and then getting in trouble which was no purpose there at all but coming there you find purpose and then you get your life back on track mm. and what's your hope for Christmas this year? Christmas songs <laughs> you just love Christmas music yeah I love Christmas music <laughs> now I've spent a few years in prison so far so I've missed three years three Christmases so I'm looking forward to this Christmas proper Christmas right with a family Paul just tell me a bit about how you spend your time now 
Well, we do a lot of things, different things for the message. We uh, serve weddings, which is really good. We have to go and just keep busy, serve our brothers and sisters. We work in the kitchen. We serve food. We also uh, are a welcome team at church. Uh, we volunteer for work. Uh, we've got so the message. We've got different companies, you see. So we actually do work there as well. There's a kitchen. There's a garden company. There's a builders. There's a hairdressers. So we're very busy. We're out there. As I say, we go and speak at different places. We go to homeless shelters, prisons, churches. We're very busy. It's all go like. But I, f I believe that's how we have to be. See, because this life is very short. So we have to be out there and be active and be spreading our faith. And do you go on to do paid employment? Yes, what we do here, we volunteer uh, one day a week after you've done a part of the programme and then after your one day volunteering has ended, then you start doing full-time apprenticeship, which will be a full pay and you still do a bit of discipling as well, but not as much obviously because you'll be working full-time. So you don't just get discipled here and then you're out on the streets. This is a whole new life where you can get a career. And how do you feel about Simon and Jane, who've obviously... Amazing. They live here. Lovely people. Yeah. Fabulous. We need this foundation. And I must say, Simon and Jane, they literally give their whole lives for yes. us. Like They open their house for us to come in. They live upstairs and their whole life is devoted to God and helping us to grow in our faith. And it is intense, but we need that. Like We need the structure, the foundation. We've never had that in life. Mm. So we, we are so blessed. And Simon and Jane are great, we must say. So, yeah. And they give their all. So, yeah. Big thanks to Levi and Paul for sharing their stories. If you need support around addiction, mind.org.uk has a fantastic page of resources. If you search Mind Support for Addiction, it will take you to that page and the link will be on our social media as well. For more information about the Oaks, visit themec.org.uk and go to the About Us tab. We will be back with another great story of hope for Advent next week. See you next week. Yeah.